Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas, here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I do not have a guest this week, but that just means I get to spend a little more time with my co-host. She is the owner of Avondale Food and Wine in Montrose. Mary Clarkson, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm great. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Thanks for doing this. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, have a new nightclub coming to Midtown, and I know you're saying, so what? This one has a $1 million retractable roof. It is 150 feet long and 45 feet wide. It is called Rise Rooftop. It replaces Proof, which if that sounds familiar, it was a nightclub above Reef, the shuttered seafood restaurant. Mary, I know nightclubs don't have a great reputation right now. They are one of the reasons that Governor Greg Abbott shut down bars statewide. But presumably we can look forward to a future when all bars are allowed to reopen, including nightclubs. Let me put it to you. Does a retractable roof make you more likely to visit a nightclub? I think it's nice that they have a retractable roof. I'm not going to be going to a nightclub anytime soon. (laughs) Uh, Is that strictly coronavirus or you're just not a nightclub person? Uh, I'm going to say 90% coronavirus and followed by 10%. I'm 37 years old. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I admit that I am not a nightclub, even in my twenties, not really a nightclub goer. Uh, but I will say I, I am intrigued by this place. I did have the opportunity to meet with uh, a couple of the owners, Steve in Jersey, and, and they say the right things about, about creating um, an environment, right? They're not, they're not going to have a dress code. Um, they're spending quite a bit of money on decor. They're going to assign tables, not by, you have to buy this bottle or that bottle, but you have to commit to a certain minimum spend so you can drink what you want. So if that's beer and cocktails, then more power to you. You know, he even said like, you know, I want the staff to be able to recommend a drink, right? If they, you know, I don't, I don't just want them to say, oh, a Bud Light or oh, a vodka soda. I want them to, to be familiar enough with our menu that they, they are recommending things that we're known for. And they're going to have a bunch of live music. I mean, they, they were scheduled to have Buck Cherry in concert in August. Obviously, that's been postponed until next year. He said he's talked to En Vogue about, uh, performing on the stage, maybe even Snoop Dogg or Lil Jon. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying, uh, I'm not, I'm not saying I, I really want to see En Vogue, but I am saying that if somebody offered me tickets to En Vogue, uh, the, the nineties, uh, teenager in me would be all about it. I like En Vogue. I would, I would maybe be, I would hop on a zoom call for that. uh as i as i joked with somebody who messaged me about this you know uh if they book wilco you're you're gonna want to go right it's you know high-end high-end uh sound and lighting 
you know, a, a DJ booth with a big video screen behind it. Um, second floor VIP area with private balconies. I mean, you know, this, this is an endeavor that's more than just a roof. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I do understand, you know, nightclubs, uh, packing, packing a lot of people into a, into a crowded space indoors or outdoors, uh, makes people pretty nervous right now. But hopefully we can look to a, a post pandemic future when we will want those kind of experiences again and, and sort of credit the owners of rise for really going above and beyond what I think people sort of expect from these kind of venues. I just, I don't know how you even, you know, I don't know what the new world order is going to look like, but I don't know how you're going to get people to socially distance in a venue like this, even with open air, but whatever. I'm, I'll look forward to a day when we don't have to worry about COVID whenever, whenever that will be. Right. All right. Let us move on. Topic number two. This will be more up your alley. Pier six seafood and oyster house coming to San Leon late this summer. This is a, a venture that unites prestige oyster, which is one of the premier Texas oyster harvesters. Uh, their president Raz Halili has recruited Joe Cervantes, formerly of Brennan's prior to that Killen steakhouse to be the executive chef for a restaurant that will, it, it's on the waterfront. They're going to have an extensive oyster program, raw bar, obviously. And, uh, you know, wood grilled fish, wood grilled oysters. I mean, it's a, you know, this looks like a pretty nice restaurant right on the water. Um, Mary, you read about Pier 6. What do you think? I'm excited about this. Um, I really like Joe Cervantes. I think he's done an amazing job at Brennan's. Uh, you know, we have Acme Oyster House coming to Houston as well. I think something like this will succeed. It's, I don't think there's enough of these type of options around. And I think this is, this is casual enough um, and Gulf Coast enough that this is how people will want to eat. All right. You have, you have one meal in San Leon. You go in here, you go into Galoo's. You know, I am actually with my mother right now, and she introduced me to Galoo's. I am, I am a Galoo's stalwart, but I will definitely be checking this place out. Well, yeah, this is. I think what's interesting is Prestige has always supplied Galoo's with its oysters. I'm sure they will continue to do that, but it had the reputation that they they gave them the really good ones, right? Because the they were more likely to to be there and, and eat them themselves. So now I think, you know, maybe, maybe those oysters are going to pier six uh, when it opens probably in August or September. We'll have to do a comparison of both. Yes. Uh, I am. I am definitely down for a, a, uh, a bang bang of pier six and Gilhulis as soon as pier six is open or, or maybe, uh, maybe in at the height of uh, Gulf coast oyster season, you know, in uh, January or February. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. All right. And then topic number three, Sugarland's Blendin Coffee Club will open its second location in a historic building on Allen Parkway that is currently being redeveloped by Redome Capital. That is the development firm behind Heights Mercantile, MKT Heights, and the Montrose Collective. That's the it's the big new mixed-use development on Lower Westheimer that's going up next to Uchi. 
Blendon is known for having a proprietor who has a PhD in biochemistry, which means all of their roasting, brewing, and so forth is very precise. Uh, Mary, another coffee shop coming to Montrose. What do you think? Um, I mean, is the market saturated in Montrose? I kind of feel like it is. They're going to have to offer something different and compelling. So this is what they do that may register as different and compelling. They, I, I mean, they all, all the coffee shops do this. They source their beans from around the world. Uh, they offer you the choice of different brewing methods, right? Pour over, Chemex, et cetera, et cetera. And they'll recommend the brewing method that they think brings out the best possible flavors of these different beans that they have sourced. And they do coffee tasting classes to make you uh, a better coffee consumer. That's interesting. I mean, I don't know. I'll, I'm always interested to try anything in my own neighborhood. So I'll, I'll look forward to trying to see it. But, you know, there's at least, I would say, half a dozen really quality options in Montrose. So I always try to recommend people to not go into a market that's already saturated. So uh, the consumer will let them know. Yes, they will. This has been a big hit in Sugarland. I, I should say they have a they have a really devoted following down there, and the building obviously will have office tenants and so forth. I think that will that will give it will give Blendin a, a base of support. So it's you know as a business venture, I think it's a it's a positive development. One way or another, if you uh, I don't know if you live in some of those like high rises or apartment complexes on West Dallas you know, or, or that big mixed use development that's currently under construction over there. Uh, this, this could be good news for you. If you live in that high rise across from, from Emmeline, uh, this is your coffee shop as soon as it opens, which is sometime by the end of the year. Hmm. Emmeline. Yes. I know exactly where that is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then topic number four, chef Don Burrell announced that she has departed Culture, the downtown restaurant she opened with proprietor Marcus Davis of The Breakfast Club. She earned a James Beard semifinalist nomination for Best Chef Texas for her work at Culture. And instead, she is focusing on the meal delivery service pivot that she started with I'll Have What She's Having. Uh, Mary... You've you've been uh, involved a little bit with I'll Have What She's Having. You know, have you met Dawn? Do you do you feel like you know Dawn? Uh, I think I've met her before, but I don't know that I know her really well. Yeah, she's she's friends with your friend Kate McClain. I do know this. I know Kate has worked with her quite a bit. Yeah, I've had Dawn on the pod a couple of times. She's a she's a really talented chef. I think you know it's. Uh, She's decided to leave culture primarily because her mother is recovering from a stroke and Dawn wants to work in a way that limits her potential exposure. (laughs) Easy for me to say limits her potential exposure to the coronavirus. And so that means working with fewer people, which she cannot do at culture. So she's going to work on this meal delivery service and maybe another restaurant project in the fall. You know, this is undoubtedly a loss for culture, but maybe a a win for Houston because it means more more opportunities to try Don's cooking. 
Yeah, I mean, I I applaud I applaud her for doing this, especially to protect her family. And if we still have the ability to have her food, then I'm looking forward to it. It's it's unfortunate for culture, but there's going to be a lot of changes going on right now. Yeah, absolutely. And and this meal delivery service, I think, has been uh, a success for her. And you know, she's she's a she's got a, a diverse array of experiences. She worked for. Monica Pope back in the day, she spent some time at Uchi and Uchiko. So, you know, it's not just, it's not just Southern flavors that come out of the pivot meal program. And and I think that's, what's made it so compelling to people that you can get a, a restaurant quality dish prepared by, you know, a, a very talented chef at, at not an unreasonable cost. And then it's just heat and serve at home. <laughs> okay. And then, <laughs> And then finally, topic number five, I did just want to note that the Culture Map Tastemaker Awards are coming up August 6th. We have a very limited number of general admission tickets available. That gets you a tasting tote with wine and beer and a little bit of food from some of our nominees and sponsors. Austin had its uh, virtual Tastemaker Awards last week, hosted by Bun B, who is also hosting... Our awards on August 6th, I watched the video. It was really great and a lot of fun. And so I hope that anyone listening to this podcast that does not have a ticket to the Tastemaker Awards will purchase one. And in the meantime, you can vote in our Best New Restaurant Tournament. We are down to, as we are recording this, the final four that pits Mad versus Verdine and Squabble versus the Toasted Coconut. Two of those restaurants will advance to a final that will take place over the weekend. Mary, do you have a, you, you want to pick a favorite? Who do you think is going to win the Tastemaker Awards Best New Restaurant Tournament? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I've, listen, every time I go to Vegas, you can bet money that my pick will lose. So <laughs> I feel like that's a, not a good proposition. Um, you know, I love squabble. It's it's one of my favorites. Well, I have to say, I have seen the social media campaign by all of the employees at MAD, and so I think it is theirs to lose. But like you, I have never been afraid to be wrong in public. So saying this out loud may have just jinxed MAD, and if I did that, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I love MAD. You know that. Um, but I just, I don't know. I mean, I think it, I think it depends who you know, gets out the boat, I guess the most, but I just squabble so beautiful in the neighborhood. I love mod, but BCN is, is my go-to favorite. And I know it's not the new restaurant, but, um, that'll be exciting to see. Mad definitely offers something totally different than anywhere else. Absolutely. And then, uh, Mary, before we wrap up to the news of the week, let me just, let me just ask you, how is life at Avondale food and wine? How are you, how are you faring as a business, um, in the current climate? You know, it's uh, every week is a different week than the one before. Some weeks are good. Some weeks are bad. Um, I am very thankful and I choose to be an optimist. The fact that we are three concepts in one, that we are a wine bar, a wine shop and a restaurant um, has enabled us to stay open in some capacity throughout all of this. And I'm thankful to the people that come and pick up their wine every week for their staples. People are still drinking. <laughs> um, they have not stopped drinking wine, that's for sure. And, um, you know, things like our, our kind of, we've just revamped the wine club. So 
75 bucks for three bottles, 150 for six, that kind of thing gives us momentum. Um, and the willingness of diners to dine out right now, we're fortunate that we have a patio and two different dining spaces within our concept, but some days are good and some days are really tough. Um, we have the support of our community and, you know, the other night I had staff from BCN at my bar, from how to survive, from Kuchara. So having neighborhood people and industry people in there, it makes, it, it helps to be able to talk to your community. Yeah. And when you, you talk to diners, I mean, how are they, how are they feeling about being out and about? I feel like diners are going to places that they trust. So this oftentimes means they're staying within their neighborhoods or they're going to places that they've gone to for not just a few months, but, you know, a year, two years, several years where they have a relationship either with a staff member or the chef or the owner. Um, They want to go where they know that you're doing the right things in terms of safety and health protocols and the social distancing. The fact that you walk in our restaurant, half the tables aren't even in there and they're spaced and you have hand sanitizer when you, upon arriving and leaving and we're enforcing all of the masks and everything else that's required. It's really about making your consumer feel safe. You can't force them to dine out, but you can provide them options like we do with the farm CSA boxes that we deliver and food to go that we deliver. You really have to listen to your, to your customer. All right. Very good. That does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our, Restaurants of the Week, stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? So, Mary, for our Restaurants of the Week, I want to talk to you about Turner's. This is the new supper club that Ben Berg opened below the Annie Cafe in conjunction with Chef Robert Del Grande. I would describe it as kind of a throwback to sort of 50s and 60s, like high American dining. It has dishes like bone and ribeye and lobster thermidor and Dover sole with sauce American. Yum. <laughs> um, let me, let me, I, I want to break this down a little bit because this is one of the sort of most significant openings of the year. And we really haven't, we really don't have a restaurant like Turner's in Houston that I can think of. So just kind of start with the decor. I mean, how do you sort of assess like um, very intimate, you know, leather banquettes, crystal chandeliers, vintage photographs? How do you sort of feel in that environment? I think it's gorgeous. It's old world. You know, for me, I told Ben when he came to our table the other night, it reminds me of the Polo Bar in New York City. Um, I had dinner there with my mom last fall and Anna Wintour sitting across from me with her children and, you know, just very elegant. That's kind of how I feel about this place. It's intimate enough where, you know, it's kind of a who's who of Houston. If you look around the dining room on any given evening, uh, the piano in the middle of the dining room is awesome. I don't really know anywhere that has that vibe. There used to be places, I believe, State Grill. I used to have that, uh, the restaurant where Armando's is now used to have that uh, kind of feel, but just classic dishes executed well. It is, it can be very rich food, but Ben is giving something that 
is not available anywhere else combined with Robert Del Grande's talents. And, you know, there is a demand for something like this. Um, and I think it'll do well because of its intimacy uh, and small environment. Yeah. You mentioned the restaurant where Armando's used to be. I, I mean, I remember going to the River Oaks Grill yes. with my family as a teenager. And as I was sort of describing the, the restaurant, as I was sort of describing Turner's to my mother, she said, oh, that, that sounds a little bit like the River Oaks Grill. And I, and I think that maybe, you know, that, that restaurant was closed long before Ben Burr got to Houston. But, but it is the one place that kind of comes to mind as, you know, dark, clubby, intimate, leather furniture. Uh, you know, River Oaks Grill had, had a sort of hunting lodge vibe with the animal heads and stuff on the walls. Obviously, Turner's is more... Turner's is more New York, a little glitzier vintage photographs. Um, like you said, the life pianist and, and really like one of the most elegant looking bars in the city, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think that bar, the bar at Turner's is, is very small, even smaller with uh, social distancing requirements, but it's very, very elegant. I mean, it reminds me of the Savoy hotel in London, for example, it reminds me kind of a little bit, of Bar Hemingway in Paris at the Ritz. It's just this really um, bespoke interior with old school style bartenders and drinks. Like I started with a martini and it was amazing. Yeah. I had a barrel aged old fashioned that was just a very delicious, uh, you know, I mean, what makes one old fashioned better than another? That's, it's a little hard for me to articulate, but just, you know, the, the whiskey comes through, it's got, just the right level of sweetness. It's, you know, the bitters come in and, and add sort of enhance everything. It's, it's a, it's just a very satisfying cocktail in, in a nice heavy, you know, cocktail glass. And then, you know, we ordered wine and it came in these, these thin, lovely stems, you know, obviously there's a lot of, a lot of thought and detail went into the, you know, the bread and butter plate has the, the restaurant's logo on it. You know, the China's, is very elegant. I mean, just everything. Can we talk about, about the Cobb salad or the wedge? <laughs> uh, yeah. Are you ready? You you want to get into the food? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That I mean, salad is still like the presentation is unreal. Right. So, right. I think we all know what a wedge salad looks like. Um, table side touches are a very important part of the Turner's dining experience. So the way that they do that for the wedge salad, well, I'll, I'll let you describe it. How's that? Fair enough. Um, so they roll out the cart to the table. They've got obviously the salad component there or the green component. And then they have Roquefort cheese that they're carving out and adding to the salad. And then the meat portion of it, they're slicing table side and assembling that on there. I mean, I honestly thought when they rolled out the salad that they were sending us a steak for our salad course. I mean, that's how impressive the portions were. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is the baconiest, like porkiest accompaniment to a wedge salad, and the the quality of the blue cheese, and just how like fresh and ripe and delicious those red tomatoes were. Just everything about it was so thoughtful. I mean, you know, we got a, um, we started with an appetizer that, that that they call Land and Sea on the half shell that has wagyu carpaccio with bone marrow on top, and of course, what they do is they they come out with the torch and they melt the bone marrow 
over the carpaccio to make it extra gooey and delicious. You know, we had a, you know, steak tartare with foie gras. Um, that was just, I mean, finely chopped, very beefy, properly seasoned, you know, the foie gras adds an incredible richness to the dish. It's just, everything is sort of over the top, like very thoughtful. You know, we had artichoke soup, Mary. I don't think I've ever had artichoke soup before. The artichoke soup was amazing. I think I was in a food coma by the time I posted on Instagram and I mistakenly put asparagus soup. Yes. But the artichoke soup was fantastic. And I don't even know. It just had a, like a, like a bright citrusy, you know, vegetal quality to it. I, I don't think I've ever had it. Like I said, I'm repeating myself. Yeah, that was a definite. It was this, a labor intensive dish. Uh, as Ben described, they can't, they can't put that dish out uh, for a large number of people because there was table side service components to that dish, but it was amazing. Uh, the Dover sole was great with the lobster. I really liked that dish. It was a rich dish for fish, but it was beautifully presented as well as the steak. Right. And of course, so for the, for the sole, they present the sauce. Again, they present the sauce table side. Um, the ribeye comes with this uh, oxtail steak butter, very decadent. You know, they're going to serve you the vegetable sides to go with your meal. I mean, the whole, you know, we had a, I mean, that biscuit with the the sausage gravy, you know, you're, you're looking at the biscuit and you're like, well, where's the gravy? And of course they, the gravy comes out in its own boat and they pour that on top of the biscuit table side to, to make sure that the biscuit stays sort of fluffy and doesn't get soggy in the, in the transport process. That meal was extravagant. It, like, wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and just to be, and just to be very explicit about this for people, we were, we were their guests. We were, we were not charged for the meal. We left uh, a generous tip that I, I hope in some way compensated the staff for their treatment of us. Um, so it's not like this is uh, this is not like an objective restaurant review. There's no, there's no anonymity for me at any Ben Berg restaurant. I've known I've known Ben for a long time since since before B and B Butchers opened. He's um, great. Well, and 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 I guess that's kind of what I that's kind of how I wanted to sort of wrap this up. Is you know we're in the middle of a global pandemic. Um, the oil industry is hurting. Uh, a lot of people have lost their jobs or or are working at a reduced salary. Is there a place for a restaurant like this? where dinner could, I mean, dinner for two without trying too hard will run $300. Um, you know, we were sitting near a couple that ordered an $800 bottle of wine. You know, what is the, what is the place for a restaurant? Like I think you can have, time I, like this? I think you can have a handful of these. I think the BCNs of the world do very well because they're very tapped into their customer base. Um, and people, I know for a fact, are thankful to be seeing staff when they walk in the door. I think Papa's Steakhouse is this way. I think um, DeMarco can still be considered a place that people want to go to for special occasion for luxurious and, and Ben's place. I think, I think there can't really be more than a handful of them, though, to be honest. Right. No, I, I do tend to agree with you that they're and that they have to really execute. They have to set themselves apart. Outstanding food is not is not the only thing that is required. They really have to understand service and take good care of their customers. And I think Turner's does that. We did 
you know, we may have received a little more attention from Ben um, and from Sam Governale, the operating partner, than other tables, but they, they were working the room. They were talking to everybody. You know, they understand that a splurge for just about anybody and that they need to be appreciative of the customers they have. All right, Eric, I hate to do this, but I got to run into court. Oh, yes. Uh, Mary, thank you so much. <laughs> All right. I love you, Eric. Thank you. I'll see you All right. soon. All right. <laughs> Bye. All right. And then Mary may be gone, but I'm going to stick around for just a couple more minutes because I did want to talk about a couple of kickout experiences that I had last week, uh, specifically from Costa Brava Bistro. This is a Spanish restaurant in Bel Air. It is one of my mother's favorite restaurants in Houston and a place I have never tried before. They were running a lamb chop special for two over the weekend that we took advantage of that featured four double cut bone in lamb chops cooked exactly to medium rare, which is what we requested. We paired that with uh, some gazpacho that they serve. thought it was a really satisfying portion of the lamb. I thought the lamb was really nicely cooked. That gazpacho is a winner. It's a little bit creamy, but the tomato flavor is still nice and bright. comes with a little chopped cucumber that you mix in there. So my first taste of Costa Brava Bistro, I understand uh, why people have been telling me that I really need to get over there and I will make a point of actually dining there and trying some of their specialties like their paella at some point soon. So with that, I'm going to wrap up the restaurants of the week. I'm going to put a pin in this episode of the show. Sorry about the lack of an interview this week, but we have had some absolutely first-rate guests recently. I encourage you to go back and listen to any of those episodes, whether it's Christine Ha from The Blind Goat and Some Cow, Alex Brennan-Martin and Marcus Gauspol from last week, Itai Benelli and Chef Sash Kurgan from Doris Metropolitan. All of those episodes are, are in our archive, as is uh, just a, a whole lot of people from the Houston food scene. So please avail yourself of that. Thank you so much for listening. I will be back next.